Welcome to Relationships as Spiritual Practice, Bridging the Secular and Spiritual, with your host, Lachelle Lowe-Chardet, founder of Mindful Compassionate Dialogue and Wiseheart PDX. Welcome. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for all you do to grow and learn and transform and serve life. Today we are doing part two of spiritual practice with power dynamics. In part one we talked about power over, power under, and power with. Understanding that power dynamics is incredibly important, both for fulfilling our life-serving intention, also for evolving personally, for having a sense of a security, emotional security, for cultivating equanimity and mental clarity, regulation, for accessing the relationship competencies, most especially life-serving boundaries and healthy differentiation, perhaps, and empathy. Today, I would like to make a key distinction between power over and earned authority. So here in part two, we're going to take a deeper dive into power dynamics and explicitly define earned authority versus power over, understanding what does it mean to have earned authority from a power with consciousness, and then look at an example of working with a spiritual teacher who is functioning from earned authority in a power with consciousness versus dipping into power over having earned authority, and coming from a power over consciousness, which has tragic results, of course. Okay, let's start with earned authority. Earned authority, as I'm defining it, is something you have when you've cultivated a whole set of wisdom, experience, and knowledge regarding a particular area of life. You have, through your own efforts, come to understand something well, its intricacies, and you have learned from experience in working in that arena how cause and effects plays out in a variety of ways. You have earned authority. If you have earned authority in a particular area, it's pretty likely that you have a great responsibility in that area. So if you're a CEO, if you're a provider, whatever your position in the world, You have that role, that position, and that set of responsibilities, hopefully, because you have the earned authority to be there. People can trust you, and you're serving life well from that particular set of responsibilities.
Let's look at earned authority and power with or power over from the example of a spiritual teacher or a guide. And I can use myself and I'll also use examples that I've heard from my students. So as a spiritual teacher and a guide and a leader for my students in spiritual transformation, I have earned authority through, well, a lifetime of practice, but specifically over 20 years of very formal practice in which, of course, like in any arena of learning and transformation, I learned from a variety of teachers under intensive circumstances of a year. You can read about my experience on my website, so I don't want to get into it too much, but a year living in a monastery, for example, intensive retreats, two weeks or a month, retreats with particular teachers, intensive training and mindfulness-based therapy with a variety of trainers and so on, right? I invested time and energy, my own intrapsychic process, interpersonal process with the people involved in all those arenas of training. And so because of that, I gained a certain wisdom and experience and knowledge that I attempt to use to help my students in what they want in their lives in terms of growth and transformation emotionally and spiritually. If I'm coming from power with, I have a deep respect for the uniqueness of every single one of my students' paths. I don't assume that I know what's best for them. I have a humility in the face of their own journey. I recognize that I don't understand the largest picture of their path or of reality. And so in that humility, I can maintain a power with perspective. Hopefully 99.9% of the time. And in doing that, in doing that mm, service to my students from a power with perspective, there are some things that are obvious, some telltale signs of a leader leading from power with. Let's name them, name them together now. One is there, it, there is consistent curiosity. There is more curiosity and listening than there is telling. Because from a power with consciousness, I'm understanding that what I have to offer, if it is to be useful, needs to fit in the context of the unique experience of the person in front of me. Therefore, I need to understand their experience. So the opposite of curiosity is telling. 
And that telling could be more coarse or more subtle, but it's still telling. At the very coarse end of the telling spectrum, right, which might be coming from a power over consciousness, there's labeling. You are shut down. You are being cold. You are being selfish. You are mm, not having enough faith. You are having a scarcity mind, right? The world of spiritual practice has its own set of labels that it can devolve into. You're not compassionate enough. You're psychopathic. You're right on and on the list goes. If you hear your spiritual teacher labeling you, that is a red alert. Red alert. My spiritual teacher in this moment is not grounded in the compassion and power with consciousness that's necessary for me to evolve and be supported. Labels are mm, labels are ways of trying to name a whole constellation of events. And so they're not subtle and they're not revealing what needs to be revealed to that person in order for them to see their suffering and see their resources. So if a spiritual teacher or anyone is saying, you're this, you're that, my encouragement to you is to say, wait a second, I'm not, that's not helpful. Hearing your labels of me doesn't, doesn't illuminate what I'm doing that's triggering suffering for myself and others, and it doesn't illuminate what's needed to alleviate that suffering for myself and others. Or, in more colloquial terms, you could say, I'm not willing to hear your labels of me. I am, am willing to hear not what's not working for you and what you would like instead. Right? That's the most simple way to approach that kind of interaction, perhaps. If you're really, really grounded and you have a lot of resource, you could offer empathy for a label. I want to be careful for those of us who really cultivate empathy that we're not offering empathy from a power under consciousness, right? But we're not saying, oh, I'm going to give up what matters to me in order to be compassionate to you because that's what I'm supposed to do. That idea of I'm supposed to be empathic when someone labels me is a telltale sign of power under consciousness. Hmm. Some, a leader who's functioning from a power with consciousness might have a label arise, right? In a moment of frustration, I'll use myself as an example. In a moment of frustration, if I'm in a teaching role with someone and a label of that person comes into my mind, I use that as a cue. Oh, I'm frustrated right now about something. There's some agenda I'm holding. There's something I want 
to have happen. And that's why a label is coming up for me. So I might ask for a pause. I say, this is a second. Let me, let me sort what's happening inside so I can be more present with you. Give me just a moment. Or I might say, oh, I notice I'm just caught by a little something that's happening in our interaction right now, and I'd like to sort it and see what's most true and either tell you something or get more curious about your experience. So there can be a transparency without expressing the label. Honesty doesn't mean you share every reactive thought you have, right? And as someone who's holding space for another person, maybe even more important that you don't share your reactive thoughts. You can say, I'm having a moment, I'm losing my groundedness, be a human being for certain, without sharing that pattern with a person, that karma, that reactivity. Use your resources to come back to leadership. And that power with consciousness then comes forward with curiosity about what's happening or with a challenge, right? So a leader and power with, it doesn't mean they don't challenge a person in front of them, right? Might go something like this. So in the last hour, I've noticed I've attempted to offer you empathy in three different ways from what you're saying. And each time I've noticed you've returned to saying the same thing with the same words or repeating some version of the same story. So I want to pause now because it doesn't seem like what I'm offering is landing or being helpful. And I wonder if you'd be willing to check inside what's happening for you or what's missing for you that has you go back to the same story each time. Help me to help you. So power with doesn't mean we're not challenging. It means we're challenging with a certain amount of skill and subtlety. Revealing what's happening in the moment without resorting to these labels which are vague and do not illuminate the situation. Okay, so that's our first point. That a sure sign of power with... For someone operating in a position of earned authority is curiosity and a lack of using, the opposite of that is not using labels as a shortcut to express a frustration. Let's look at another characteristic of power with. Power with someone in earned authority coming from a power with consciousness is attempting to illuminate what's happening in a given context so that the person they're working with can become more clear about cause and effect. So that's a mental clarity thing. So that's one layer that we're talking about right now. A person with earned authority is providing clarity because they see more of what's happening. 
Hopefully, right? That's why they have the earned authority. And if they're revealing what they see is happening without resorting to labels, I see that this person is being abusive and you're being codependent and I see that they have a problem with mm, this and you have a problem with this. That's resorting to labels. They might be clarifying something there with use of labels, but it's a slippery slope to just judgment and power over when we're using a lot of labels to create clarity. From a power with consciousness, we're taking responsibility to make the extra effort. And it is an effort because most of us did not grow up knowing how to do clear and specific observations. We make the extra effort to say, this is what I see happening. And then we say, a behavior, a specific observation. When I notice this behavior, then I notice you tell me about these feelings. When I notice this behavior, then I notice this person complain about this thing. Specific observations to reveal a network of causality. Someone in earned authority is illuminating that for you. Let's go, let's go into the health field to make it more concrete just for a moment and out of the spiritual teaching. And then we'll go back in to spiritual teaching. When you see a doctor, if your doctor got all your test results and they just said, well, based on these results I see, I think you need to take this medication and have this surgery. My guess is you wouldn't feel very good about that meeting with the doctor. And if you had moved into power under, you'd leave the doctor's office kind of hazy and confused and maybe with anxiety. A doctor from a power with consciousness does their best to explain the test results to you, to reveal to you the function of your own body, to connect the liver with how bile is produced and how what you eat affects that and so on, right? They're making the connections that they think will help you understand your body and what it needs as best they can. And then you hopefully have an opportunity to ask questions to illuminate that network of cause and effect in your body and then to listen to the possible results of the interventions they propose. That's a power with conversation, right? That doctor is attempting to transmit wisdom, information, and understanding. A spiritual teacher is hopefully doing the same. They're noticing what's happening in your practice and the cause and effect therein. And they're valuing your experience. So let's think of a concrete example. They see you mm, come to meditation 
once a week for a month. And once a week, they see you. In Zen practice, we have teacher interview. They, they have a little time with you to talk. And they hear you report. Oh, I'm feeling pretty grounded. I'm remembering to notice reactivity. I'm remembering that I'm good. I'm remembering, right? They're, they're reporting on their practice and their little advances. And then they notice you report, I haven't been meditating for the last two weeks. And they notice you report, I've fallen back into sugar addiction. I've stopped exercising. I've had these many fights. Right? And then they can just reveal, this is what I see. And then they reveal their wisdom. In my experience, when a practice is working, your experience, you feel more joy, you have a sense of mm, getting the results you want. And they connect the dots for you. And then in their wisdom, they might say, ah, and specifically for what you're telling me is happening, telling me that is happening, my experience tells me that this particular practice might match your particular suffering or challenge, right? So we call that kind of guidance that I'm describing, or I call mm, guiding based on what's happening. There's a bigger word called phenomenological. And I want you to introduce these two terms because they're very specific to mindful, compassionate dialogue and nonviolent communication. And for me, the difference between phenomenological and ontological, those are the two terms, is so important because from there we can create this bridge between the secular and the spiritual. Probably I've talked about this before. It's one of my favorite topics, but let's take a look. Let's zero in here for a moment. And then... I'll expand back out to examples with spiritual teachers, gurus, priests, whatever they're called in your practice. When we are attached to our view of what reality is, it's really likely that we're also attached to one way to transform or evolve, spiritually, psychologically, whatever it might be. Ontological means an explanation of what reality is. To me, that's a really fun game. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy trying to figure out, oh, how does reality work? What is it really? And I have beliefs within me that I find supportive. I believe reality is made from love. I believe the universe is a place of beneficence and love. I like believing that. That's helpful for my life. The moment that that belief has me moving into a power over or a, it can only be this way and no other way, whoop. I want to examine that belief and see if it's really serving me. 
Hmm. That's ontological. A certain belief in the way things work. I think it's helpful to hold those beliefs lightly and examine them from a phenomenological perspective, which is what I just did. The moment my description of reality leads me to an experience that's violent or limiting or harmful. Oops, I want to re-examine that ontology that I attach myself to. So I hope the same would be true with your spiritual teacher. That they have whatever they have that is helpful ontologically. They believe God is a certain way. They believe reality is a certain way. And then they help you based on your experience. And they hold their practices of what's helpful for transformation, growth, evolution as a set of practices in an infinite world of practices, not as the right way. I feel super nervous when I hear any leader say, we have the one right way. I feel nervous because I'm starting to have doubts that that person could deeply respect the unique human being you are and really listen to what's true for you and what might be helpful for you. And I'm really nervous that they might neglect these needs and move into power over you, empower over and tell you what you should do and then employ methods to convince pressure you to do something with a willingness to cost, at a cost to you, to do it at a cost to you or others. And pause there, because that's, that's heavy stuff, right? That's kind of intense. And it's difficult because someone who really has a lot of wisdom and knowledge about particular practices has an incredible amount to share, has an incredible amount of gifts to share. And those gifts aren't tainted because they've lost themselves in power over. So we can separate that out too, and it's important that we do separate that person's personal reactivity, karma, whatever you want to call it, from those moments when they're in the flow and they are really transmitting a gift. They're really transmitting the truth about something, the wisdom, the compassion of something. So I'm not suggesting that you need to find the perfect teacher that only functions from power with. I think what's more important is that your teacher or your guides on your path 
are willing to receive feedback from you about what's not working, are willing to examine when they've lost their way with a decision or in a moment, are willing to ask for feedback. Am I being clear here? Am I seeing as much of the picture as I can? Am I embodying warmth or compassion? Am I having a bias that comes from my own conditioning about race, about religion, about sex, whatever it is? That that leader, that guide that you're seeking is constantly looking for feedback because they value being in alignment with the truth and with a deep care for you and for the people in your group or community. And they understand that being in alignment with the truth and the care means being as clear as they can in themselves and they admit that they can't see themselves by themselves. That they need you, their student, and the whole group of students, as well as their peers, hopefully they're in a peer group that gives feedback, right, as well, to challenge them, to not move into power under, but to challenge them. When you said that, where were you coming from when you said that? It didn't land well for me, and I... I want to see what was happening inside of you when you said that, because for me, it sounded like you were disregarding a whole set of needs of a, of a certain group of people or whatever it might be. So let's go back. So a sign of power with is curiosity. A sign of power with is a desire to clarify cause and effect. Not using labels, but using specific observational terms, specific feeling words and needs words. And let's look at last, one last one and then wrap up. A, a really, really important sign of power with consciousness is the ability to easily enter into compassion, a felt sense of warmth and compassion, regardless of a differing perspective. So for example, if you say to your spiritual teacher, this practice you recommended, at the end of it, I feel worse. I'm a mess. And they respond with, well, you're not doing it right. What's wrong with you? You need to stay with it. This is the right practice. And they don't pause for the compassion of, oh, you're doing this practice and you're suffering more. Ooh. Hmm. I'm sorry. I'm not wanting to have you suffer more. I'm wanting to support you in happiness and the embodiment of what you dream for for your life. Right? They respond to your suffering first and foremost with compassion, not with advice, not with what the next practice is. That they meet your experience with their own care. 
that's an aspect of a power with leadership. Power with leadership has that capacity to attune to the experience of the people in front of them with compassion. If you have a sense, if you're having thoughts that your experience is wrong or bad, or you're making a lot of mistakes in your practice, you might be going into power under, or your guide or teacher might be in power over. So that's an important place to stop and examine. Wait a second. I want to meet my suffering with compassion, not with a story that I'm doing it wrong. And my spiritual teacher or guide hopefully is supporting me in creating that internal dialogue of compassion. Hmm. I hope this is landing well for you and that this is helpful to talk today about earned authority. And we've looked at examples specifically earned authority in the realm of spiritual teaching. And within the practice of this relationship with a spiritual guide or teacher, either as a spiritual teacher guide or as a student, all right? That's an important relationship in which we're practicing becoming aware of power with consciousness, true clarity about what's happening, embodying compassion, meeting someone where they are based on experience, based on the experience in the present moment. Thank you so, so much for being with me today and for being on your path. What you do matters. I believe it with every cell in my being. Radiating love from my heart to yours. You can find free resources and information about Mindful Compassionate Dialogue, as well as Wise Heart's live offerings and self-paced workshops online at www.wiseheartpdx.org. You can also connect with Wise Heart on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, or by emailing info at wiseheartpdx.org.